Hello and welcome to My Existential Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us question our entire sense of self. My name is Madison Epley. And I am Haley Guffrey. Yay! Haley is back again. She was gone and then she was back and then she was gone and now she's back yes. again. Yes, yes. What have you been up to, Haley? Let the world know. Um, uh, I just finished a show. Yes, which is why you were gone for a little bit. Yes, it was very um long process very fun ish no it was fun the kitchen is still not 100 percent done, <laughs> so it's like 99.8 percent done and i'm about ready to just burn this house to the ground what? To be quite honest. what is still left to do you got the cabinets done though they look great the cabinets are done yes they do um Literally, we just have to put trim around the uh, pantry. Okay. And that might be it. That's all we need to do. <laughs> and then it's pretty much done. The We need to put um, the coat rack up, but that's not like a necessity or anything. We'll have it done by my damn birthday party. And I was going to say, don't, coat I'm racks feel like a necessity in the winter. <laughs> well, if you have guests over... Like, for said birthday party. Well, if we don't have one, people will just put them wherever. And... Okay, that's true. That's true. I forgot that some people don't have coat racks. Yeah, you forgot that some people just don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, that's like what me. I forgot. Some people just don't care. Yeah. I, I literally could not care less. I am aware. I'm fully aware. I... Yep, I'm fully aware. I'll uh, put my coat anywhere. I'll put it on a chair. I'll put it on a couch. I'll put it on a table. I'll put it on the floor. I don't yeah. care. I'm, yep, that's, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of that. Uh, I'm a little bit more particular about those things, but, you know, that's why we balance each other out. Yeah, you're a little more anal than I am. Yeah, a lot more, I would say, but, you know, you love it's me okay. for it. I, yeah, I still love you. Don't worry. It comes in handy sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it does. Like, you're very, like, I wish I was a little more anal, honestly. I would be able to, like, be, like, good at more things, I feel like. I don't know if it makes you good at more things. It just makes you stressed about more things. It just makes you want to be good at more things. And if you're not good at those things, it makes you feel bad about yourself. Well, Madison, you're also, like, hypercritical of yourself, so that doesn't help in that case. Okay, well, they usually go together, is my point. Uh, I Sorry. feel like if <laughs> I were super anal, I Super would anal? Just... <laughs> that sounds like a superhero. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> that what what is their what is their power no you said if i the way that you said it you said if i were super anal like super anal yeah. like that yeah but what is i want you to tell me what's their superpower they are meticulous about everything they I are would, able I to would have make said they fuck crime in the ass oh okay that's what i would have said that's also a way to put it did you miss me? I missed you so much. I missed you so freaking much. <laughs> I haven't gotten to talk to you like this in so long. So it's I was true. very much missing this. I mean, I talked to you, but like. Right. You know. You could just call me sometimes, you know. Yeah. Just to hear my voice. I'm really bad at that. that. I'm really it's bad okay. at that. I am too. 
<laughs> not just with like I just I don't know I'm awkward when it comes to that stuff and I'm just also really bad at keeping up with friends like the fact that I we still talk even though <laughs> I'm not living around you honestly I'm very proud of myself for and that doesn't that sounds like an insult to our friendship but I'm just really bad at keeping up with people I don't I'm talk really to my- really proud of myself for still being your friend <laughs> Haley I don't talk to my dad as much as I talk to you think about that I like <laughs> listen my dad lives 10 minutes away and I don't think I talk to my dad as much as I talk to you so. So, like that's my point so I mean I'm that's very fair. proud of myself for that that's fair. I think that the last time we talked was before the Taylor Swift concert um do you want to just give us like some updates yeah, I went to the Taylor Swift concert. Yes, with me. With you, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, it was a little too long, but uh, yeah, you were, yeah, pretty, it was you really, were pretty cranky by the end. I was, <laughs> you I was so really irritated. Cranky. Listen, I got super <laughs> drunk and then stopped <laughs> drinking. Like, I'm away. It, it was like I crashed. I crashed I know. hard. Listen, I know how. And I know how everybody I just wanted to sit in the uncomfortable seats instead <laughs> of leaving and sitting in the more comfortable car. God, I was right. I stand by it. Listen, I didn't say you were wrong. I was just going with the flow. There are other people who would say I was wrong. <laughs> well, did I'm I not have, one of them. Did I react well? No. <laughs> no. Was I a bitch? Yes. Yes. Was I wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'd give you that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a great show, but it was just a touch too long. Like, I started zoning out, I think, during probably, well, like, I think maybe if you weren't as intoxicated folklore. or if you kept drinking. I feel like that I think if I kept drinking. That would have been I the think key. I, yeah. The problem was I couldn't find any of the, any of the places. I and know. And they, the, any... Anywhere I did find, they weren't selling anything I wanted to I drink. Know. It was so sad. I get it. I get it. I'm, I, I, under- was... I don't like beer. I get it. It's hard. It's a hard knock life. It's so hard. I don't like beer. I don't like seltzers. I don't like wine. I'm not that I picky. I like wine but... coolers. I'm very picky. <laughs> I know. I, I know like. I left. What did I leave at your house for months and you didn't drink it? They were reds. They was hard cider. Yeah, it wasn't no. even like bad. It was good nope. stuff. It was. It was hard cider. I don't like and it. And you didn't drink it. I don't like it. Months. She, it was at the Taylor Swift concert. I, wasn't it then? Yeah, like, we, we brought We still them back. have your yeah. reds. Oh, they were from in their, October. From, uh, your last birthday party last year. Eight months. Crazy. Eight months. Eight months. Fridge. Eight months. Yeah, I, I don't like hard ciders. I don't like seltzers. I don't like beer. I don't like wine. That's literally pretty much leaves wine coolers yeah and, and there are like a, a decent variety of them but jesus christ no one sells them out anymore in the world in the pot in the wild i feel i feel lucky when i find a mike's hard in the world at like a bar <laughs> i'll go to a bar and they'll be like we have trulies and i'm like i don't want a fucking truly they'll be like we have cocktails and i'm like okay i can i can vibe with a cock like i like hard I, liquor I, I agree with that I, I like hard liquor and wine coolers and that's it <laughs> Which I mean, and and it's only certain hearts. Like I don't know if I like gin. I don't think I've ever really tried gin. I think I that hate you would tequila. like gin in a cocktail. I'm also maybe tequila. Doesn't I hate make tequila. Me feel good. I hate it. I hate it straight. I hate it mixed. I hate tequila. 
Uh, rum is rum is okay. I effing love. I don't oh my know why God. I said effing. <laughs> that was weird. I fucking yeah. love rum. That is remember, my liquor of choice. Remember when we were at Ben's? Yes. And we did. Uh, we played True American. <laughs> we did. It was so fun. And I, so even good. though I like tapped out at one point for you, like Haley, you tapped half out, an hour. You tapped out more than half an hour. You tapped out very early. We were still playing in did the I dark. Really? Yes, yeah, you went dark, to yeah. bed. That was the first time I got no. drunk, Kaylee. No, 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 no. I tapped out of the game. Yes, you tapped out before. of everything yeah. early. I'm no, saying, no, 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 you- no. I tapped. Okay, listen, listen, listen. We were playing the game, and then I tapped out of the game, and then I kept answering the quotes yes, yes. from the porch. Yes, you were because on the no porch. one would get them. So then, at one point, I said, "Can I just be back in because I've gotten all of these quotes <laughs> and you bitches haven't?" That's right. And I think Nick was like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. So I came back into the game at like the last, like last quarter, and I ended up winning. <laughs> That's true. You did. It was very important. And I had to take a swig of Captain Morgan, and I almost vomited right it's there. It's so good, Haley. I like, almost like I almost threw up. It is so good. Like if I have to take a shot, that's what I choose. A hundred percent. That or crown apple. Like it's uh, Ooh, it's crown peach. I don't like peach. When I was at peach I, I think tastes it was, like cat pee. I like the peach. I like the peach a lot. When I was at a, a cast party last year during Hunchback, I was just walking around with a it wasn't even <laughs> mine. It wasn't mine. I was walking around with someone's crown peach and just sipping out of it. I love and that. then That's someone amazing. tried to take it from me and I yelled at them. <laughs> oh my and gosh. again, it's not even mine. It was not mine. I think it, I don't remember whose it was. <laughs> this, okay, this wasn't alcohol, but one time we were at David's friend's lake house um, over by Indian Creek and I was, so here's my issue. I have a very heavy tolerance, so I feel like I can drink a lot more, but then all of a sudden sometimes it just hits me. And I'm like so very drunk very, very quickly. So I was, this is one of those instances where I was fine and then all of a sudden I was very much not fine. Um, but I was eating a bag of popcorn and I was sitting on the floor, <laughs> just like a hardly lucid and like just eating popcorn. And our friend Tony comes over and he tries to take my popcorn away from me. And I put up a fucking fight. And then the bag ripped and popcorn went everywhere. And I was so sad. It was so funny. We have it on video somewhere. You had to be there. I mean, the first time you ever got drunk around me. I woke you up. It was that same night. I woke up. I went to bed early because I had to work in the morning. Yeah, you did. And I woke up an hour after I went to bed (laughs) to two people like wrestling on top of me. And I open my eyes, and Madison is actively trying to wake me up, and our friend Munir is trying to keep her from waking me up. And I was up for about 20 minutes then. I got to watch her and our friend Ben be just absolute sloppy bitches. And then I heard Madison... Ben went went downstairs to his room. He had to expel the demons. Madison started... Madison started walking downstairs. I heard her fall down the stairs. I forgot about that. I looked at Munir. <laughs> Munir was sitting on the other couch, and I looked at him from, like, the, the chase or whatever I was laying on. And I looked at him, and I said, have fun. And I just went back to sleep. I, I mean, said, I'm not doing it. To be fair, though, I would have probably fallen down those steps if I were sober. So, like, how far, how much can we judge that? Really? <laughs> I can judge it. <laughs>
But um, yeah, did you have fun at the concert? I had a blast at the concert. Um, there was a big event that happened at the concert before the concert started. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was probably my favorite part of the concert, and I'm so happy that everybody waited for me to be there, um, for said event. Um, yeah, yeah. How did uh? <laughs> Am I saying the things? I I'll, um. So I'm engaged. Ailey got engaged at the Taylor Swift concert! Yes. It was the cutest thing ever. It was in the parking lot before we went in, and then everybody sang Love Story. Nice, and yeah. we got in a circle, and it was amazing. And all these Taylor Swift fans were just the... It was the cutest thing ever. It oh was my really nice. My favorite part was walking into the venue, ah! because Rachel, our friend Rachel, was ahead of us. And every couple of feet, and me, she would just shout... You. I didn't know. I listen. You, you think I drunk. remember you everything that was going on? I was drunk I and I just got us. engaged. Okay, Madison and Rachel. Sorry. You better be. Uh, every few feet would just shout about how we just got engaged, and then everybody would cheer and clap. Yes, so it felt Haley like we had won the Super Bowl. Got it was like very this exciting. Giant, never-ending applause going into it was the Taylor great. Swift concert. I listen. I love attention, so that was amazing. And then we stood in like, the bathroom was... line for forty-five minutes. Oh my god! Oh my god! The I men's bathroom this. line. Our friend Ryan and my now fiance Christian, they were standing outside waiting for us to go to the bathroom someone came up to christian and was like you're the one that just got engaged right? <laughs> i didn't know that yeah i forgot I to tell you that. Oh did i tell God. you about this is just funny um did i tell you about ryan and what ryan did the night before no so we rented an airbnb for the concert and not everyone in our group stayed at the airbnb the night before the show but christian and i and our friend ryan did and i don't know where i was i was somewhere but ryan was sitting there and christian looked at him and said i'm gonna propose to Haley tomorrow and ryan went i get to be there i get to be part of this and he was very excited and i came downstairs at one point and i went on about how i was gonna get so fucking trapped and i was gonna get super drunk and ryan just goes but you you can't you can't get too drunk you you need to be able to remember things oh you told me about this i remember and that, i was yeah. like you of course things? i'm gonna remember the fucking concert you dweeb are you kidding <laughs> but he was he was on another level he was like he yelling at rachel at one point was on he was level. like he like rachel went to grab a drink out of the cooler and he walked back and he was like what are you doing back here it's starting it's gonna happen it's happening it's happening right now and literally rachel was right like, before because they they waited for me to get there because i was coming from an audition and so i like moved my i hauled ass and as soon as i got there ryan's like we've been waiting for you and i'm like for what like i'm sorry i tried to come as fast as i could and then he's like big things are happening I made it work yeah, it, it all worked out. In it's the great. end, it all worked out. But yeah, but now we're in the starting to try and plan the wedding, and I don't want to talk about that at all. It's okay, so. because I am, I have nominated myself as the wedding planner, um, in addition to being the maid of honor. Yes, that's right, everybody. I am a maid of honor. Be so thankful and happy for me. Um, but I can help you, Guff Puff, and I'm so excited. I'm excited, even if you're not. I am. I was more excited before I realized how uh, expensive everything was. Evil these people are. They are money sucking <laughs> whores, and I want to fight every single one of them. The wedding business is a money sucking whore, but yeah, it sucks. Listen, I can help make this a fantastic 
celebration. I emailed someone asking about engage- engagement photos. And they emailed me back and they told me $900. Like yes. that's... Yes, lovey. Like, like that's, that's... That's standard. Like that's not... No. No. <laughs> I don't... No. No. But yeah, enough about me. What about you? I am great. I just got back from giving blood. Here is a PSA to everybody if you can, if you're able to. Give blood. I love giving blood. I am O positive, so I very much feel a strong social responsibility to give blood whenever I can. I don't know what my blood type is. How do you find that out? Um, well, the way I found out was I gave blood, and then they... They were like, you're O positive. Please yes. give more. After they processed it, they're like, yes, we like your blood. We need your blood. Please give more. And I said, okay. Let us just stab you right now, please. I'm sorry? What? You said you're gonna stab me? No. Wait, why are you gonna why are you gonna stab me? I already got stabbed today. I almost passed out. Stabbed. (laughs) I also feel that like in a morbid way, I enjoy giving blood because I feel connected to like I like giving blood because they'll have part of me forever. I was literally just gonna say that. Like I also (laughs) like giving blood. Because I love the idea of giving a part of me to somebody else. That feels so personal. I hate giving blood because I hate needles and it makes me feel sick. I, do you remember when I would try to give blood in high school and I yes. would like stand in line like yes. almost in tears? Yes. I did it. I, d- I remember. I was very proud of myself. And I, I was it. also very proud of you. And then like the next year I was like, oh no, I can't go back to school and give blood. I got a tattoo. Like, oh, oh no. Rats. Oh, sad. <laughs> sad. But yeah, I'm great. I'm getting over bronchitis. Um, again. Again. It was not great this time around. Okay, that's the thing I try to explain. Like, bronchitis does not equal sick, but sick will then lead to bronchitis for me. So, like, how this happened, everyone was like, oh, like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I feel fine. How this bronchitis bout started was I had a sore throat. I shit you not. I had a sore throat. And then two days later, my lungs gave out. Like, I did not have a cold. I did not have anything major. I had a sore throat and maybe a sniffle or two the day before I got bronchitis. And then I got bronchitis and my lungs just stopped working. And then it was just days of me hacking and then my throat or my lungs just like pounding against each other. So it was very annoying. But yeah, I felt fine. It's just I just can't stop coughing. Mm. I... I was going to say I would never wish it on my worst enemy, but actually bio weapons are, that'd be pretty sick to have my worst enemy. Like if I could give them, I don't know. I don't have any enemies, obviously, but like, you know, if I hated somebody enough, I would want them to suffer, you know, with a little bronchitis. Oh, see, my thing is like, I never wish ill on people. Like I don't want anything really, okay. No, no. I never want anything really bad to happen. Like, I don't hope that you, like, like that someone you love gets really sick. Oh, no, that's awful. I don't hope that you get really sick. But do I hope that they never know, like, do I hope that they're always, like, I hope you step in water while wearing socks. Yes. I that's, hope. That's kind of how bronchitis is. Because it's inconvenient. Like, if, if anything, yeah. like, it's it can be painful, of course. But if anything, it's just inconvenient. It's just really annoying. So, like. Do, do I hope that you contract laryngitis, like, right before a big presentation you have to give? <laughs> yeah, I do. A little bit. A little. Do I hope a flower pot falls on your head 
Yeah. A flower pod? Pot. Oh. oh. Flower pot. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, maybe. Depending on how big it is. Yeah, depending on, like, how dangerous, like, how bad it is. But, uh, yeah, like, I never, I just, I, I've said before, like, I don't wish ill, like, severely on people. But there are people in this world that I hope they're just a, just a tiny bit miserable for the rest of their lives. Just a tiny bit. I, okay, I. I'm a good person. You are a good person. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's bad or anything. In fact, I'm going to say something worse because, like, I feel like bronchitis is now worse than that. Those things are just, like, inconvenient. Bronchitis is, like, an actual... I mean, it's inconvenient for sure, but, like, it's a it's a heavy thing. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had bronchitis, so I can't speak you, to how bad if it is. You would know if you had bronchitis, and then... Nearly every time you get sick, you will then get bronchitis in some in some form. So, like, for me, again, it varies. Sometimes I get bronchitis and it's not so bad. I just have a lot – I just cough a lot. But then, mm-hmm. like, this last time, like, I completely lost my voice. Like, I was coughing so bad, my voice felt like it was bruised. Yeah. So, like, it just depends. Yeah. I'd wish bronchitis on someone. See, that's the thing. I, I, I I, at the most, it's inconvenient. Sorry, at, that's yeah. not that's not true. At the at the worst, it's painful, and you spit up a lot of mucus. But like, but if it's just but like, like how like painful casual, on a scale of one to ten? Whenever I had COVID, Oof. it was really bad. Like I, it was I was sobbing every morning because I was. But see, I don't I don't wish COVID on anyone though. No, I wouldn't do that. So like, I wish like, what is your normal like? Forgetting about the COVID, what's your normal like pain level? Normal pain, what's the highest a, it goes. Normal pain is like a sore throat, and then it's just it's just annoying, really. It, like it's, a scale it's, of one to ten. I would say ten being like excruciating. I'm really bad at yeah scale of one to ten. My therapist asked me those things, and I'm like, I literally don't know. It changes by the day. I don't know that's, these arbitrary that's numbers. So I'm I would say a five, but even okay. then, I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, to you. To me. Like, see, I have, that's the thing. I have a high pain tolerance. Like, I felt, I felt uh, an eight with the COVID. I would say, you know what? It would probably be a four then. A four. Okay. Yeah. I'd wish bronchitis on someone. I'd say anything like five and lower, I'd probably wish on somebody. Yeah. Uh, No. No. It depends. (laughs) Because, okay. I mean, there are like. I miss talking to you. (laughs) Like. There are cancers that are easily treatable yes. or that are more treatable than others. I would never wish any type of cancer no. on anyone ever. So I take that back. Just because it's at a five or lower doesn't mean I'd wish it on somebody. It depends on what it is. If, if it's, it's What if it's like a five or, five or lower, like, inconvenience scale? That seems like a Oh, inconvenience number. scale, Incon- yeah. That's, like, not, not pain. I, I no. would say inconvenience. I don't want anyone... <laughs> I feel like I keep backpedaling. I don't want anyone to be in pain, like, physically, ever. I want you to always hit every bus stop. I want you to get stuck behind a garbage truck. Red lights, baby. All the time. Red Red lights lights all the time. Bus. Especially when you need to be somewhere now. Exactly. Those those types of things. The inconvenient things that you're like, motherfucker, I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) I hope you feel that. I hope you feel that at least once a day. I hope that's how you feel. To clarify once again, I don't know who I'm talking to because I really don't dislike anybody this much. But Haley does. Did, okay. Haley knows exactly Haley, who she's talking Haley to. Haley does. Haley does. But okay, I guess that's true. Haley does. Anyway, we're at like 32 minutes. I Jesus know Christ. it's gonna okay. a lot. Of, I'm gonna cut this down. Don't worry. Okay. I just miss talking to you. I'm. I'm just talking.
I have... Do you want me to go first? I yeah, go first. So, earlier this week, I came across a TikTok video about these little things called timeout dolls. What the fuck is a timeout doll? You're gonna see, because I have a picture. <gasps> oh my... Okay. Oh, I see it. What the fuck is this? Exactly. What the fuck? Ew, I don't like that at all. No one ever does. So these these timeout dolls, I guess, are really big at, like, car shows. What? Yeah. I. What the fuck? I don't know. Car shows, local flea markets. Um, they're usually, like, propped up against, like, the bumper of a car or the front seat or the steering wheel. Why? And sometimes, sometimes even better they have signs on them that say things like mommy and daddy don't like me please take me home what or the fuck something fucked up i i don't <laughs> apparent like some people say it's to bring like a sense of nostalgia what's nostalgic about child abuse like i don't understand. i don't know <laughs> i don't no that's what that is like that's nobody i can't mommy and daddy find... don't want me I cannot oh find a reason as to why they exist. There is no, like, <laughs> consensus as to why these timeout dolls are a thing. Some people think they represent the sadness of a child realizing his inheritance has been spent on his father's Chevrolet. What the fuck? <laughs> Some people say it represents all the children who hate car shows. Some of them say they are to cover paint scratches and bumps on the cars. Why car Th there, shows? There's no... There's... I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm honestly flabbergasted. I don't know what to say. <laughs> this I, is not what I thought this was going to be. <laughs> yeah, no. So I saw the, these timeout dolls. And you would think that there would be a lot more uh, things out there about them being like fucking haunted. Because of course they would be. Like, they're creepy as hell. I'm sure you'll include the picture. Oh, of course I will. Of course I will. They're terrifying. I feel like I've seen something like this before. I'm not even shitting you. I think my my Some people say that they've been used, like, this. in homes to show people, like, to show kids, like, if you get in timeout, this is where you go stand. I don't know. I, I don't know why they exist. I can't find an exact reason. I'm, I'm upset. But, yeah, like, the... the <sighs> Like literally, you go you go to Google and it says, "What are the dolls for car shows? Timeout dolls? Like they're just seriously? Yeah, they are what like the hell? about as I so often do about just generally like haunted dolls. Yes, I'm a huge fan of them. Hope to never have one. <laughs> but so I your just wedding thought, present. I'm gonna go shopping on eBay. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I would no, never. No. Okay. I would side never do that. side story. Side story. I have this weird thing with the paranormal and with ghosts. No. Where I will get it into my head. No, you don't. I don't think I've told you this before. I don't know if I've told. I I don't why I haven't told many people this because it's not that weird, I guess. But like, especially when I was younger, I would get it into my head that if I saw something, like I would watch a haunting a lot. I would watch celebrity ghost stories a lot. Yeah. I got it into my head multiple times on multiple different occasions that the ghosts that these episodes were about, they were coming for me. Oh my gosh, they knew, what the fuck? They knew I watched the show That's and dark. they said, we gotta go get her. What I was terrified. I, I would lay, 
Madison, I would lay awake in bed and I still do it. I still oh, do it. To this day, I will, there are times where I will lay in my bed and I will be like, I just watched the creepiest TikToks. Something's coming for me. Something's coming tonight. Like, I, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why I, it happens, but there was one time I went on eBay and was reading about haunt, like, I was looking at haunted dolls on eBay. And I found one, and the story was so stupid. It was like this doll literally crawled from the depths of hell, and she's evil, and blah, blah, blah. Scared the shit out of me. I was like, this doll knows I read this eBay listing, and it's gonna come get me tonight. That's just one of, like, the more, like, crazy things about me. I love you so much, Jaylee. <laughs> I'm, I'm nuts. Listen, I... I am still afraid of the dark. Like, I get spooked after watching a scary movie, but I don't have that, that, like, <laughs> it's coming from me. My mind, I don't like, know what it is. I, maybe it's just, like, my, my, uh, self-absorbed nature to think that, like, <laughs> oh, it's coming to, it's coming to get me. It's coming to get me. Oh, it's coming after me. It would never attack anyone. It's leaving its home in Baltimore, Maryland <laughs> to come chase me down. You know what? That's what it is. That is exactly what <laughs> it is. Like, I, it, like, I know logically it makes absolutely no sense. And I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> it got me thinking about just different haunted dolls that I hold near and dear to my heart. I've, I've known about most of these for a very long time. And I will be sharing pictures as Yay! well. I'm going to save the best for last. So this first one is called... God, I'm going to butcher this. Okiku? Okay, yeah, I've heard of that one. Is it the hair? Yes. Yes! I love this one. According to the story, Okiku was purchased by a young man sometime around 1918 in Japan as a gift for his younger sister. And after a year, the little girl that the doll was bought for passed away. The family created, like, a big shrine in her memory and placed the doll in the shrine. And then at some point later on, they noticed that the doll's hair was growing. When the family moved in 1938, they entrusted the doll to the care of Meneji Temple. Meneji. Okay. <laughs> when the family moved in 1938, they entrusted the doll to the care of the Meneji Temple in Hokkaido, where caretakers continue to maintain Okiku and her hair that still supposedly grows today. I so love that's that Okiku. So She's a very pretty doll. She I is love very pretty. My well, mom used to okay. have dolls that looked like her. I saw and... an up close picture. And I don't. I don't know, man. You don't. You don't like it. Wait, I'll show you this one that I found. Hold on. Oh god, I'm a little nervous now. It's Wait gonna creep me out. What did I just say? I get nervous. You have to see this though. I don't wanna. You have to. What if it scares me. <laughs> That's the face of evil. Yeah. Anyway. This next one uh, is named Lily. She now resides oh, no. at Z yeah, I know, right? Oh, she no. now resides at Zach Bagans, the uh, yeah of Ghost Adventures fame. Yes, you know uh, his haunted museum. She was made during the 1800s in Germany and features real human hair. She looks like she was made to be haunted. Like she was that was yeah, her sole intent. Like, yeah, uh, I. Not only does the fact that it's uh, at the Zach Bagans Museum of Haunted Artifacts make me, like, have a little bit, like, eh, to it. No child would want this doll. No. no. No child would want this doll. No. I'm sorry. 
No kid is going to look at that and say, that's what I want. No. Yeah. Nobody. No, no one's buying that. It, it's, but uh, supposedly she was discovered by an antique dealer who took her home. Um, who's that? Who's Sam and Brick? (laughs) (laughs) It's Jared. I totally forgot. Oh, Jared. Jared, I miss you. Okay. Anyway. That was so funny. According to the museum's Facebook post, she was discovered by an antiques dealer who took her home but began having recurring (laughs) nightmares about a little girl who had a very bad accident. She was put up for sale at the antique shop, and on one occasion, a customer's little girl spoke to the doll for three hours and told the seller that Lily was a little girl that had been subjected to extreme violence. Fuck. Also, what kind of accident? I don't know. Doesn't say. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, again, you she, guys will see. She looks like she had an accident. No small child would want that doll. No. Moving on, next up we have Ruby. She's a pretty popular one, I think. I hadn't heard I hadn't heard of Lily before I started doing like this research. I had heard of Ruby. I've heard of Lily before. Ruby is a porcelain doll who yeah. likes to move around. No. Um, she currently resides with the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult. And she comes from, like, her origins are pretty mysterious. The previous owner said she originally belonged to a little girl in the family who died while holding the toy. Um, And following that, she was passed down through generations until coming to her current residence at the museum. Visitors often report that there is an overwhelming feeling of sorrow radiating from Ruby. Oh, that's so sad. Next, we've got Letta. This one is the creepiest, for sure. Oh, no! Oh, yeah. absolutely not. That is yeah. literally from my nightmares. Yeah. No. <gasps> you Let know it. who that looks like? Mm. Have you seen um, uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Shut up. No. Yeah. He looks like the child catcher. Ugh. The child catcher used to scare the shit out of me. Me too. I also thought the child catcher was a woman when I was younger. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Beautiful. There we He's go. He's wearing a lot of makeup and he has very long yeah. hair. Honestly, slay. Yeah. Child catcher, slays. Letta, short for Letta Me Out. Oh, shit. And Letta is a 200-year-old wooden doll with human hair. Fuck He that. was discovered beneath a house in Wagga Wagga, Australia, by his current caretaker, Carrie Walton. Walton told the Warwick Daily News, I reckon he walks in the nighttime. Uh-huh. We came in here as a new house, and I've never heard so many strange things in my life. What the fuck? Carrie has found scuff marks on the floor of his home, and objects mysteriously shift. Uh, Walton has brought Letta with him to multiple television interviews, and has even started an Instagram page dedicated to the doll. Mm, I don't like that. The uh, ha- it's just at Letta Me Out on Instagram. If you would like to follow, <laughs> oh my god, these pictures are so much better and so much worse all at once. At Letta Me Out. Yeah. At Letta Me Out on Instagram. Go ahead. Give give Letta. Am I gonna? It's what I gonna... it's what he deserves. Oh. Oh no. That oh. one. Oh no, I don't want that. Oh. I don't Man. there's one of him next to a child. Get that child away. Look at his little shoes. I don't what? wanna look at his little shoes. What a dapper gentleman. He's Honestly, not dapper. 
I think he's he's styling his this, little green his wrist suit. Is broken. Look at this. Listen, he's been through a lot. Apparently, two hundred fucking years old. Yeah, with real human hair. It's so um, and then finally, of course, the the bad bitch herself. We've got Annabelle. Yes, Annabelle. If you haven't heard of Annabelle, you're probably living under a rock. I don't. I find it hard to believe that like anybody could be into the paranormal and not have heard of Annabelle. Her story is a lot different from what it is in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, uh, the real Annabelle is a raggedy Ann doll that was given to a nursing student named Donna by her mother. Donna and her roommate Angie often returned home to discover that the doll had changed positions or moved rooms. They'd also find handwritten notes uh, scrawled onto, like, parchment paper asking for help. They contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren when Annabelle became, like, violent and attacked one of their friends. Jeez. And Ed and Lorraine ultimately took Annabelle into their care. Um, She just kind of sits in this case now, but there are stories of her, like... There's a story of someone going to the occult museum, and I gotta say, I'm so bummed because the occult museum is, like, the Ed and Lorraine Warren occult museum is no longer in, yeah. like, it no longer is open, and I'm so bummed. I always wanted to go, but it's fine. I'll live. <laughs> but supposedly there was a man that went and, like, got in the doll's face and was like, you're just a doll, you're not gonna do shit, like, what are you gonna do? And he got, like... They told him to leave, and he got on his motorcycle, and he left, and then he he and his girlfriend got into a motorcycle accident where he died, but the girlfriend survived, and motorcycles are dangerous, but I don't know. Is it a coincidence that he was messing around with Annabelle and then died? I don't know. I don't even know if that's a real story. I've I didn't make it before. up, but someone might have. <laughs> I didn't make it up. <laughs> I have heard that one before. Yeah. But Annabelle is still, apparently in 2020, rumors began to circulate that Annabelle escaped, which I think is really funny. Why would you do that? In 2020, why would you try to unleash any more havoc into that world? Listen, I don't, I don't fuck with Annabelle. (laughs) I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't fuck with any of these dolls. No. I don't. Yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I'm good. Oh, there's also, I don't have a picture of it, but uh, there's also an island in Mexico. <gasps> yes! That is just full of dolls. And the yes. whole island is supposedly haunted. And yes. um, it, that, listen. I don't know how people feel about these types of shows like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, whatever. The craziest shit I ever saw was on Destination Truth. On the episode where they visited this island in Mexico. It's like, they are looking at this doll. The camera is on this doll. And the doll's eyes, for seemingly no reason... It's like an old-ass baby doll. They just open. Or or it blinks. Or something. Something. It's crazy. I would love to do a deep dive on the island of dolls. Because I feel like they had, like, a, a super like dark backstory it maybe it didn't maybe it didn't it did okay cool yeah maybe we'll cover it in in uh in more depth another time but yeah yeah um it is on the list of reasons won't travel to mexico (laughs) i (laughs) it always has been always will be 
I, I didn't know that that was like a place you wouldn't go to. Oh, yes. No. I mean, I won't go to uh, Roanoke in Virginia. Yeah, I just, there's too much that goes on down there that I don't vibe with. La Llorona is also on that list. I yes. don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> never want to see her in my life. Never want to see her. Never want to hear her. I'm good. Uh, like, I will stay. For those who don't know, would you like to explain what that is? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you're got, you guys are getting so many stories out of me. Wow. Welcome <laughs> back, Haley. Oh, my gosh. Um... For those of you who don't know, again, uh, I feel like La Llorona is very popular. We could do, like, a deep um, dive again another time, but, like... Yeah, this so is, just I, the quickest backstory. Uh, she is called... La Llorona stands for the Weeping Woman in uh, Spanish. Stands for means... Ugh. Anyway, and she is the spirit of a woman who supposedly drowned her children in... A long time ago and now she is doomed to wander the earth searching for the souls of her lost children and she is kind of a boogeyman to kids in Mexico and in even places in the United States like Texas and the more southern areas of California. She is supposed to keep children from wandering at night or getting too close to rivers that kind of thing but there are so many and this is like one of those things where I think about, like, fairies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, there are so many different accounts of her or something like her in so many different areas. Like, they're just asked. And, and it goes back to, like, this belief that I have of, like, if you give something a name and you give it a story and you talk about it enough and you believe in it enough and you create enough people that believe in it, maybe something will manifest. Um, Energy is powerful. Yeah, that's how I feel about her. Uh, there are just so many, so many stories of sightings and experiences, and I just would rather not, would rather not. So, I'm good. Like, I love her. I love her story. I love her. I, like, I think she's sick as hell. I think she's super fucking cool. I love her story. You love that she drowned her children. Shut up. That's not what I mean. (laughs) It does sound like what I mean, but that's not. Kind of. I love a tragic backstory. I, know, I love I know sad. Do. I don't mean, like, it's not great that she drowned her kids, but I like substance, you know? Like, <laughs> there are some of these bitches walking around with nothing. Like, it's like, oh, she just exists. It's boring. At least she's got something going. That's true. But yeah, I never, 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 ever want to even risk seeing her. Like, there are places in Mexico I go, like Cancun or like. I was going to say. Something like that. My company goes to Cancun again. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so you didn't find anything about these timeout dolls being haunted? Not necessarily. Like, there are a lot of articles that were like, oh, these things are fucking creepy. And it's like, you're right. They are. You should say it. (gasps) You know what? Okay. My great grandparents definitely had something like this in their house. But my grandparents have an Amish figurine that looks like this. Mm. I shit you not. And it doesn't have a face because the Amish figurines don't have faces. Ew. Because they don't they don't have mirrors. It's like a vanity thing. Oh, right. <laughs> that always makes me think of, like, there was a Tumblr post so long ago and I quote it all the time. And it's like, Papa <laughs> forbade mirrors lest we fall victim to vanity. You always say it with a weird accent. And I One don't time. know. I do it all the time. One more time. 
How does that go? Are you recording me? I mean, we. It is currently recording. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <is> recording. <laughs> Papa forbade mirrors lest we fall victim to vanity. What the fuck? It's so funny. It's so like. There's a whole. There's more to it. It's like, hey, baby girl, do you know how beautiful you look, or some some shit like that? Like some what the fuck? something like that. And then that's the response. Is like, no, Papa. Papa didn't let us have mirrors, and I just, I think it might be the use of Papa and forbade. I think it's the use of, like, old, like, Papa forbade. I don't know why. It just, it tickles something in my, in my little, my little brain. Well, that's not at all where I thought that this was going to go today. Honestly, I, I, I talked longer than I thought I would. I apologize. I thought no, it was going to be much shorter. I, I'm here for it. I'll make this very quick, but I have to tell you this story of the timeout okay. doll from okay. kindergarten. Okay. So, I okay, literally, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I used to be not nice in kindergarten and preschool. I, you know how, like, the people who peak in high school, like, how they must feel, like, so high and mighty and so powerful? Oh, yeah. I imagine that's how I felt in kindergarten <laughs> and preschool. I was very much like a queen bee. I like ran, I ran that class. I, I, even my teachers were in on it. And what I mean by that is, so, okay, first of all, I, an example of like how I was mean, like legitimately I was not nice. It's a good thing I switched schools and humbled myself because I would have been a bitch otherwise. There was this girl in my class. She came halfway through the school year, and her name was Paige. And my sister's name is also Paige. And I was very much of the mindset that there could only be one. So for this little girl who was new to our class, did not know anybody, you know, it's kindergarten, I pretended that she didn't exist. She would talk, and I would be like, well, did I hear something? Oh, my God. Was that the wind? Like legitimately, I would pretend that she. I was. I was not kind. I was really. I was really mean. Everyone point and boo. Yes, it gets worse. Don't don't worry. So I had a crush on this boy. He was my boyfriend. I deemed him that even if he didn't want to be my boyfriend. Oh my god. And so my mom got me this build a bear whenever I was little, and you'd press on the paw, and it would sing a song. Well, I'd bring it to school. And whenever the teacher deemed the boys as misbehaving, she would put them in a high chair. Again, age inappropriate because, like, they were not – they were too old for high chairs, too big for the high chair. This is, like, to shame them publicly in front of all of us. The teacher would put them in a high chair and give them my doll as, like, a timeout doll, and they'd play that on repeat to, like, taunt them. I shit you not. So, like, I was not a nice kid. But, like, my teacher was in on it. That's, I was five years old. And that is so fucked. That's fucked up. Isn't that fucked? Yeah. I thought it was so funny when I was little. I'm like, that is so fucked. She put him in a high chair for babies and gave him my doll to taunt him as a timeout doll. And she bragged about it to the parents Oh, whenever we graduated. So like, she was so proud of the bond that we made bullying these kids like your parents she said this to all of the parents in the class 
like talking back on the memories and what that did we they had made. Do? Did, they were like, they like laughed. They, I, she made it seem like it was so innocent. She's like, oh, yeah, we would tease the boys with like the high chair and like Madison's doll that she would bring in, and like they would like laugh. They're like, ha 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 ha. But like it was so fucked. It was really bad. It was not good. Yeah, so there's that. I'm a very healthy, well-adjusted person right now. It's fine. I've been dealing with a lot of trauma. It's been regurgitating. Anyway, I promise I'm a nice person now. I was five years old. Should I cut that? Uh, Maybe. I'm uncomfortable. It's important is that you've changed and grown as a person. uh... I was five. Literally in kindergarten. Why were you so mean at five? Who hurt you at five? <laughs> Everyone hurt me, Haley. I went through a lot at five years old. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I-, I was very hurt and damaged as a child. That's crazy. Yeah. I am a nice person. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> you are now. Yeah. I was in kinder. I was five. Did I say anything? I feel really bad. I feel super shitty, but like, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay. Well, there was that. Are you interested in hearing my story for today? No. Okay, so uh, I, much like all of the stories that I do, I wanted to cover this since the very beginning, but this one has, like, stuck with me and has been so poignant, and I I don't have anything else to say. Anyway, I'll just kind of get into it. Um, this is the story of Mary Vincent. So Mary Vincent was one of seven children. Her father worked as a mechanic and met his future wife, who was a blackjack dealer, while he was serving time in the military. From a very young age, Mary had dreams of becoming a dancer and traveling the world as a performer. Her dance instructor even had plans to help her dancing career if she was serious about pursuing it. She had a couple gigs lined up for her and like made some connections for her. At the age of 15, she started to rebel a little due to tensions at home. She would skip school on occasion and even spent the summer of 1978 living in her boyfriend's car until he was arrested and they parted ways. Unfortunately, this was all due to her parents. They, they were fighting a lot. They went through a very messy divorce. And after, as they were going through their divorce, Mary couldn't deal with it anymore. She couldn't deal with all the fighting in the household. So she ran away from home to stay with her grandfather in Corona, California, while things cooled down. And this was in September of that year, 1978. I also want to say this is the 70s. Obviously, hitchhiking was much more common in these days, and it was expected as a mode of transportation, especially for the younger generation. And this was a 400-mile hike. This was her longest trek, but she had never had any issues before with hitchhiking, so she was like, you know, this is fine. So after some time with her grandfather, she was getting a little homesick, and she wanted to hitch her way back home to Las Vegas. So Mary packed her belongings that she had brought with her in a knapsack and set off. And again, hitchhiking is pretty much extinct now, but for those yeah. who don't like realize it, 
it's not like the person takes you the entire way home. They'll like drop, they'll take you as far as they can or as far as they're heading and then drop you off and then you repeat it. You repeat the process until you get close enough to where you're trying to get. But like Mary was very young. She was very pretty and she just had a very easy time in general getting rides to wherever she needed to go. So again, not a super big deal. Eventually as she traveled, she met up with a pair of fellow hitchhikers in Modesto, California, and they were all standing by a busy intersection, you know, thumbs out, signs out, um, trying to wait for someone to take them up on their offer to go to Southern California. And after a little while, a middle-aged man in a blue van drove up next to them and he looked the trail over and motioned for Mary to get in saying he only had room for one and he could take her as far as Los Angeles, which is only 45 minutes away from her home. Strangely, the man said he was heading to Reno, which is in the very complete opposite direction of LA. So if you think of Southern California, Reno is like middle California. I think I looked it up. It's an eight hour drive, not including traffic. So it is in the very opposite direction. That's not how hitchhiking works. So this was the very first red flag. The pair of hitchhikers cautioned Mary to just wait for another ride since they could see there was plenty of room in the van for them all to fit, Um, but he only said one would fit, so something just didn't feel right. And he just insisted he could only take one person and that it had to be a woman because he was, quote, afraid of getting mugged. Mary also sensed that something was off too, but she was hot. She was exhausted. This has been days of her now baking in the hot sun trying to get rides home. So she was just ready to go home. Like if someone's offering to take her home, she wanted to go. So she just kind of brushed off these concerns, said goodbye to them and climbed into the passenger side of the van. So the man who picked her up was 50-year-old Lawrence Singleton. Not much is known about his early life except that he was born in Tampa, Florida in 1927 and he worked as a merchant mariner. And it was reported that he was a heavy drinker. He had two failed marriages and at this time of picking up Mary, he had an estranged teenage daughter who was around Mary's age at this point. Um, He was also said to have been extremely misogynistic and had a deep hatred of women. And all this is kind of piled up to a boiling point this day. So once in the van, Mary felt that despite being a little rough around the edges, Larry Lawrence, he seemed nice enough. He was just like a friendly older man. He looked like a grandpa. He had a kind smile. He told her that he had a daughter around her age, and she thought that this was kind of like proof of his family man demeanor. But pretty soon after they took off, she started to feel a little bit uneasy again, that maybe she had made a mistake. And this is where some more red flags come up. He made a pass at her. So, for example, Mary sneezed. And, you know, what do you say whenever someone sneezes? Bless you. Okay, not not Lawrence. He said, let me see if you're sick. And he put his hand on her neck to check her temperature. Weird. She pulled away and was like, no, um, and settled against the door to rest and keep her distance from Lawrence. Soon she fell asleep after a few long days. of. Uh, soon after this, she fell asleep. Uh, again, she was exhausted from her days of travel. She just couldn't keep her eyes open. She knew it wasn't the smartest decision, but she just couldn't stay awake. So at one point, she started to wake up, and as soon as her eyes began to focus, she realized that it didn't look right. She realized that they were heading in the wrong direction. They were not going south, like he said. They were going east and north. 
Very quickly realizing that this was wrong and thinking on her feet, Mary found a sharp stick in the car and threatened Lawrence with it. She pointed it at him and demanded he turn the van around and take her to where she was headed. Lawrence calmly apologized and said he made a stupid mistake. He said his eyesight was bad and he must have just gotten turned around in the dark. To her surprise, he did immediately correct course and Mary thought, like, maybe it was an honest mistake. But after a few more miles, uh, the man said he needed to pull over and use the restroom. So as he was relieving himself, he suggested that Mary also step out of the car and stretch her legs since they'd been in the car for a little bit now. And again, thinking quickly, alarm bells started going off in Mary's head, and she realized that the place he had pulled over was a very deserted part of the highway, very much in the middle of nowhere, and that essentially she was trapped. And her gut was once again telling her that something was wrong. So Mary was quickly thinking over an escape plan. She looked Lawrence over. He was short. He was chubby. He was in his mid-50s. Clearly did not look like he took good care of his health as she could smell the liquor on him as he was driving. But she, she thought that she could just easily outrun him if she needed to. So as she got out of the van, she realized her shoes were untied. And immediately she thought smartly. She was afraid of tripping while trying to outrun him, so she bent over to tie her shoes and then planned to take off. The second she bent over to tie her shoes, she was struck in the back with a sledgehammer and then again in the head, the second blow being the one that knocked her out. It gets kind of rough here. I apologize. As she gained consciousness, she realized that she was naked and tied up in the back of his van. Lawrence would assault her, hop back into the driver's seat, still naked, drive for a little bit, pull over, and assault her again. Mary was raped repeatedly throughout the night and into the morning, and at one point throughout the attacks, Lawrence forced her to drink liquor, and between the liquor, the pain, and the terror, Mary passed out in the van. Mary begged and pleaded with him to just let her go. She said that she wouldn't tell anyone she just wanted to go home, but he ignored her. She said, quote, just set me free. Please just set me free. She was begging. At this point, it was morning and Lawrence pulled her out of the van. She was still naked and tied up and now she was bleeding from being assaulted. He reached into his toolbox and pulled out a hatchet and he said, you want to be free? I'll set you free. And then he swung. He struck her left arm first with the hatchet just below the elbow. He swung to strike her left arm again and she could feel herself falling backwards. And when we fall, our reflex action is to grab onto something to avoid falling, usually out in front of us, but really just whatever is around us. So as she was falling, she reached out to grab his right arm tightly as he swung. She said it seemed to happen in slow motion she was confused. She felt his arm. She knew that she had a hold of his arm, but she was still falling backwards. When she hit the ground, she saw blood gushing out of her left arm, having been severed off at her elbow. She screamed both in agony and to call for help. She kicked him furiously with all she had, but in just three more swings, he took off her other arm, her right arm. When she looked up at Lawrence, she saw him 
trying to shake her arm off of him that was still tightly clutching at his arm. So again, her arms are now severed from her body, but her arm is still tightly grabbing him as he's attacking her. She said, quote, I felt all the pain, the sharpness, the burning. As the blood was leaking out of my body, I felt the hot ooze just flowing out of me. I felt everything. I was aware of everything. At this point, Mary was still conscious but limp. Um, Lawrence didn't know that. He thought that she was dead. So he dragged her body across the dirt and threw her off a nine-meter cliff into a concrete culvert. At this point, she had lost half of her blood, and whatever was left was becoming toxic very quickly. The fall into the concrete culvert broke four of her ribs, and at this point, Mary absolutely should have died. She could feel herself slipping into unconsciousness. She was in excruciating pain, and all she could think was, what if he hasn't left? What if he comes back to finish the job? But she said that she heard a voice in her body, mind, and soul tell herself, I can't go to sleep. He's going to do this to somebody else, and I can't let that happen. So with whatever energy she could muster, Mary got herself up, still naked, covered in blood, no arms, still losing blood from her arms. She thought again quickly. She saw a nearby ravine by the culvert, and she shoved both of her elbows, all that was left, into the mud to stop the bleeding. So the mud was caked in there to stop the bleeding, and then as it dried, it would form like a cast around her arms. She crawled the entire way up the hill, again, trying not to let the pain stop her. And again, this was nine meters. By the time she reached the top, it was nighttime again. It had taken her that long to climb up the 30 feet to the roadside. She started walking on the main road, looking for people to help her. For three miles, she walked down the road to find help. A feat which, again, took her till morning now, again, the next day, because she couldn't move very quickly. All the time she walked, she kept her arms up in the air to stop more blood loss and to stop the muscles from falling out. The first car she saw was a red convertible with the top down. There were two men inside. She screamed at them for help, but as soon as they saw her, they sped off and didn't look back. And she was devastated by this, but she said that she didn't blame them because she looked like something out of a horror movie. She was naked. She had no hands. She was covered in blood from head to toe. A short time later, an old truck showed up. It was a couple who were lost on their honeymoon, and they saw her and immediately stopped. They helped Mary inside their car, and they drove to the nearest phone booth to call the paramedics. They stayed with her until a helicopter was sent to airlift her straight to the hospital, and once there, doctors were, again, baffled at how she was alive due to the amount of blood that she lost. Again, over half was gone at this point, and she was starting to become septic with whatever was left. Detectives were quickly able to spot the trail of blood from where she had come from. And again, they also were amazed, saying that they didn't know how she was able to crawl up the hill in the condition that she was in. And I can't even imagine the pain. I, I absolutely cannot imagine that. 
<sighs> Mary was able to give an incredibly detailed description to the police, and it was actually so detailed, in fact, the composite sketch was immediately recognized by Lawrence's neighbor. I mean, how often do you see composite sketches and think that looks absolutely nothing like the perpetrator? This was so detailed, it immediately gets recognized by his neighbor. They found her cigarettes and her clothes at his house, and his van was also thoroughly cleaned by the time that they reached him. Lawrence was brought in, and he had the nerve to immediately deny everything. And in fact, he said that if his DNA was on her, it was because she was a prostitute and he paid her $10 for it. He said that she was the one threatening him to take her where she wanted to go. And he also mentioned some bullshit story about there being two other hitchhikers, and they must have been the ones that tortured Mary and cut off her arms. Not seeing through any of this bullshit, Lawrence was arrested. Uh, Mary remained in the hospital for one month, and she was fitted with prosthetic arms. She said that it was very, very difficult for her to accept life with prosthetics and adapt to them. And just six months later, after the attack, she appeared in court to testify against Lawrence, her attacker. In March of 1979, a San Diego jury convicted Lawrence Singleton of kidnapping, mayhem, which is mutilation, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation. And Mary said, quote, when he was done testifying and I was leaving the courthouse, I had to pass him just inches away, and I heard him say, if it's the last thing I do, I will finish the job. And Lawrence admitted as much when he was confronted with that. Despite his crimes, do you want to just take a guess at how much time he was given? I don't, I don't want to, because it's okay. just going to piss me off. Yep, it is. Uh, despite his crimes, he was only given a 14-year sentence which was the maximum, the maximum available in California at the time. And then despite this, he only served eight years for, quote, good behavior. The judge presiding over the court remarked, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. But 14 was the maximum at that time. Mary also won a civil suit uh, for... million dollars but of course she never received payment because Lawrence was unemployed and only had $200 to his name so too bad at the end of the day Lawrence sees himself as the victim not Mary and the public outcry over the sentencing was insane and this actually not that this is any good but if anything good had to happen out of this, it's this. It was uh, led to the passing of the Singleton Bill, which ceases the early release of criminals who torture in their crime and allowed for a 25 to life sentencing as well. So upon being paroled after just eight years, Lawrence was run out of just about every town he tried to stay in. Over and over, he was run out and forced into protection by the police, essentially. Um, Anytime he tried to live in a trailer, he would be harassed by his neighbors. Um, At one point, I think law enforcement basically had to to set him not back to prison, but like on prison grounds living in his trailer because it was not safe for him anywhere. 
He continued to plead his innocence, and he went as far as to file a complaint against Mary, his victim, charging her with forcible kidnap for the purposes of robbery. To this day, or, oh, sorry, he's dead now, um, but throughout his life, the rest of his life, he continuously claimed that he was the victim. He said that he couldn't possibly be guilty of such a heinous crime. He said he felt revulsion when he considered the notion that he might have attacked the girl in an alcoholic haze and claims to have been powered by Mary's threat to accuse him of rape. He said, I was so afraid of the rape charge. I wondered, did this trigger violence in me? It wouldn't be a normal human being, Lawrence said, if I didn't work myself into a rage when I think of how I was treated in the courts and also in the media. I have spent 10 years of my life in prison each day being taunted and threatened. His bitterness, he says, is not towards Mary. He says, I have compassion for the girl. I have compassion for her family. Uh, indeed, Singleton said he found it difficult to file his complaints against her. He said, I almost vomited three times and I couldn't sleep for several nights. But he says that he did so because it was the only way to clear his name. Disgusting. I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, it doesn't get better a little, for a little bit. Um, so he found himself back in more trouble in Florida, where he eventually did go back where he was from. He was convicted of theft twice, nothing crazy. Um, but on February 19th, 1997, in Tampa, Florida, a local house painter had noticed a horrific scene unfolding inside a nearby residence. He quickly called the police and described to them the disturbing details. A nude man, covered in blood, was repeatedly stabbing a nude woman who laid motionless on the sofa. This painter would claim to the 911 operator that he could hear the bones being crunched after each stab. And the nude man who continued on with the stabbing frenzy was none other than Larry Singleton. His victim was a 31-year-old named Roxanne Hayes. She was a mother of three doing what she could to support her family. She had agreed to meet with Larry for $20, and Larry would go on to claim that she tried to take more than agreed upon uh, from his wallet, and so a struggle ensued. Uh, naturally, he had to stab her multiple times when the struggle ensued. Mary flew down to Florida to testify on behalf of Roxanne, saying, He destroyed everything about me, my way of thinking, my way of life, holding on to innocence, and I'm still doing everything I can to hold on. Mary also said, I'd have been the lead dancer at the Lido de Paris in Las Vegas, then Hawaii in Australia. I'm serious. I was really good on my feet and my dance instructor had it all worked out. But then this happened. They had to take some parts out of my leg just to save my right arm. And after that, I wasn't able to dance anymore. This is 10 years later, and even 10 years later, Mary would say that it would often take her an hour or two just to get ready in the morning because she just couldn't stop crying. Lawrence was sentenced to death for this, but he died of cancer in prison in 2001, so he didn't spend much time in prison. Mary later recalled how she wanted more than that. She wanted answers as to why he had such evil inside of him, but she saw the relief in her son's faces when they heard the news and this was enough relief for her then once she saw how how much more at peace they were she was able to put some of that aside and have some peace herself 
So Mary underwent years of physical therapy and intensive psychotherapy to help her cope. In 1998, this is a year after Roxanne's death, she testified in front of Congress to help pass the, quote, No Second Chances for Murderers, Rapists, or Child Molesters Act. And so this, I did some research on this, this bill, and it is about accountability. Under the No Second Chances bill, sanctions will be triggered when convicted murderers, rapists, or child molesters are released from prison and then proceed to commit these crimes in a different state. There are no new funds required for this bill. It merely redistributes existing federal funds in select cases to the most deserving states and victims. And this is how it works. So, for example, if a convicted murderer, rapist, or child molester was released from prison in Washington and then was later convicted in Texas for one of those same crimes, a portion of Washington's federal crime funds would be transferred to Texas to kind of help pay for their mistake and letting that person out. In other words, it's just to help the victims if there is a repeat predator um, to assist the victim state with the costs of the legal system and for justice, essentially. Whatever justice you would be able to get in that kind of situation. Uh, in addition, $100,000 would go to the victim of the new crime or the victim's heirs in murder cases. Unfortunately, this bill died in Congress because it's Congress. I think this would have been a fantastic bill to pass, and I can't understand any kind of reasoning why it was not passed, but it's Congress. Mm, that's why. Mary, yeah. They hate women. They yep. hate women. Exactly. Uh, Mary has always been very open and honest about her trauma. She suffered with years of depression and had trouble leaving her home, even for the simplest of tasks. She is the mother of two boys, like I had mentioned, and they are the ones that help her push through to survive every day. That's what Mary says. She was only awarded about $6,000 from the California Victim Fund. She founded the, the Mary Vincent Foundation to help other survivors of violent crimes. And uh, just some insight into the trauma that she has had. Um, she said, quote, I have broken bones thanks to my nightmares. I have jumped up, dislocated my, my shoulder just trying to get out of bed. I've cracked ribs and smashed my nose. Um, at one point in her life, she fell in financial and personal hardships as she struggled to cope. But she finally found some type of way to help her heal. She had big dreams of dancing, and even though those, those were dashed, she was able to find a new creative outlet in painting, drawing, and sketching. And before the incident, she said that she couldn't even draw a straight line, but now she creates uh, paintings, chalk pastels, and draws portraits on commission, and they are very, very incredible. Um, this is really tragic, and it both says something about our criminal justice system and our healthcare system. But she was not able to afford nice prosthetics. She, there was a time in her life where her prosthetic broke and she had just gotten it and it would cost her thousands and thousands of dollars to replace. Um, and she couldn't afford that. But being very creative, she made herself custom prosthetics to help her do more than she would normally be able to do. So, for example, she made herself different hooks to help her paint. And she even made some to allow her to go bowling. She had done interviews in her time, and she has made it very clear that she wants to lead a quiet life and only works with reporters she feels like she can trust. And I also wanted to mention that today, according to Rain, out of every 1,000 reported sexual assaults, 
Only 230 are reported to police. Only 46 reports will lead to an arrest. 995 out of the 1,000 will go free. Less than half of a percent of reported rapes will lead to a conviction and incarceration. And perpetrators of sexual violence are still the least likely uh, type of convicted criminal to serve prison time. But Mary Vincent is doing much better now. I really want to emphasize that. She, um, despite her trauma, she is finding a lot of peace and a lot of happiness through her art and her foundation in, in helping other people. And she has been a, an incredible advocate for victims and their rights ever since. And that is the incredible story of Mary Vincent. Sorry, go puff. It's okay. That's just, you know, how I feel about that kind of stuff. I know. Yeah. Very. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's uh, just a very, very important. No, it is. And that's why I wanted to cover it. And I. I I think it is. um, I think it's. I think we need to talk about more about how unfair the justice system is when it comes to sexual violence. No, absolutely. 110%. I look at, like, people like Brock Turner and fucking... Disgusting. Kavanaugh. And it breaks my heart because it... It tells women that they are not as important as a man's potential. No, and, and so much of it is, like... So much of the argument that has to be made is like, well, what if it was your daughter? What if it was your wife? You shouldn't. It, that, that's you shouldn't not, have to get it there. It shouldn't matter. Women are human, and you sh- should just you should care about women because they're people. Like it's, exactly. And it just it really, it's so disheartening to continuously see perpetrators of sexual <clears throat> violence get away with get away with it especially on large scales like uh kevin spacey was just Mm -hmm. recently found not guilty of sexual violence um bill cosby just walked free like what like two years ago yeah a year ago like i'm shocked harvey weinstein is still fucking locked up at this point like it just it is exhausting and i spoke about this lightly yeah before but it's exhausting being a woman and knowing how little worth you have in the judicial system it really is true it's true it's very um in the judicial system in the legal system how little worth you have uh, as a woman and that's the thing i i hate to even call it the judicial system because truly it is not about justice it is about who can make a better case it's not about it's not about helping it's not about doing what it's supposed it what it was supposed to do to begin with it has become so convoluted from its intent and i understand that that's how life is and how power works in both law and for people but it's disgusting i think it's just it's I have a very hard time understanding, for, I mean, how, first of all, how people can do what they do. But second, like, how can you defend someone? I understand that everyone has a right to a fair trial. I totally get that. But how, 
a fair trial doesn't mean a deceitful trial. You know what I mean? And that's what I think I have a I have a really hard time with that because you can obviously be jailed if you commit perjury, but at what point can we draw the line, you know? Because right. you can say Lawrence his his truth is that he was the victim. Obviously that's not correct. But why can't we perjure him for lying? You know what I mean? Like it, like little things like this that this is going to sound so stupid, but it's an argument I made in high school about Abigail Williams from The Crucible. Yeah. Um people back then during the Salem witch trials, which again imposed violence on mostly women. Yes. Um and I don't know if we can say that it was rooted in sexism or not. I don't know. Oh, 100% it was. <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yeah, I mean, probably, but, like... I'm going to say that. It absolutely <laughs> was. The people of Salem were so... So wrong, obviously. But they believed in their cause so much, and you couldn't tell them they were wrong. You couldn't tell them that they were lying, you couldn't tell you'd just be accused you would be accused yeah. of witchcraft then and you'd be in you're the same conspiring position with them as, yeah you're, exactly yeah and so it just becomes like witch hunts are still very real yes very much um so. i think that they get misused a lot uh the the context of them i still think that they are rooted in misogyny i don't know how you feel about the amber heard and johnny depp trial i have a lot of i i never know i never know maybe we'll cover this in a different one because it's getting pretty long but but very quickly i will say do i think that amber is innocent no do i think that johnny is innocent absolutely not i think they both made lots of mistakes i think they're both suffering mental health wise but you see a lot of issues you see the turn but the when things started of, to turn in Johnny Depp's favor, the vile that's things the, I have a said, problem with. Awful, awful. I don't think my. I am of the mind neither of them are innocent. Exactly, neither of them are innocent. Both of them are guilty. I don't 100%. know. Hundred percent. Like, they are both did bad things to each other. They are and, and, neither of them are innocent. But the amount of hatred that she got there are things that people said that i believe like do i think it was necessarily fair for him to lose all his business deals and she keep hers no. not necessarily no but do i think that they both went i don't necessarily think either of them are very like decent people no no but and listen i i love johnny <laughs> so like johnny depp's acting career aside i obviously don't know him as a person i love his movies but right. i i'm not gonna judge his character based off but of I how mean, much i like watching edward scissorhands right we can we can do this with any celebrity exactly like the olivia like rodrigo and angelina jolie yeah olivia rodrigo and sabrina carpenter and, yes. and joshua bassett yes. death threats upon death threats sent to sabrina carpenter you don't fucking know these people it's you true. don't know them personally. What are you doing? But that's a whole other thing. That's a whole yes. other problem that I have with just the no, world today. You. It's fucking crazy. I miss talking to you, though. <laughs> I miss talking to you, too, buddy. 
Thank you for enduring uh, our feminist agenda. <laughs> if you want some good. more some of our, of our uh, ideology, you can check us out at ME Crisis Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Probably not Twitter anymore. Maybe Threads. I might check that out for us. Um, yeah. Yeah, feel free to email us at myexistentialcrisispodcast at gmail.com. If you have any story suggestions you'd like us to cover, feel free to let us know. Um, and Guff Up, I missed you. I'm so glad to have you back. Good to be back. <laughs> Get out of here, right. men. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye.